Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. What's up, YouTube? I'm Minister Derek Hallett of Sound the Trumpet Ministries. SoundTheTrumpetMinistries.com. Today I'm going to do a teaching called Peace Be Still. Today's teaching is going to be called Peace Be Still. Now, why I'm going here tonight, and this is the third part of our series, which is going to conclude it. But the thing is, is as everybody knows, you know, all you got to do is look at the news and you see a lot of turmoil, you see a lot of drama. There's a lot of stuff going on right now in the news or on the radio or through live stream and, and everything else that we're dealing with that can really take peace away from you. I mean, it really does. The more sometimes you hear about what the enemy is doing, the more it seems to like get in your mind unless you know Jesus Christ. But the point is, is we're gonna be talking about being still because sometimes I think we're too active and we're gonna find in many cases, every time God got ready to use an individual, he always brought them to a still place that they may be able to cope and may be able to hear God's voice and may be able to have soundness of mind. So these things are gonna be so critical. Hey, Sister Naima, Sister Latoya, Sister Tatiana, Brother Jake and Brother Frederick. You know, Sister Sarah is here with me, helping me out because I'm gonna play a video tonight, you know, a Derek Prince video that I think is gonna really be helpful for us. But guys, we must get to the place of, being still, just just knowing what God's peace is about, walking in him and not fooling around in the cares of this life because these things take the peace away. I heard it explained one time on the news. I think it was a woman, um, like a, um, oh man, what was she, like a newscaster? And she was making the point that the news wouldn't be able to be news if you were to say, hey, you know, someone next door just bought a house and his family's doing well and everything's going good. You see, you're not going to have that. Hey, Sister Tanisha and, and Coach P. But you see, these people's job is to spread fear. And you know what? That's really what terrorism is all about. Terrorism is to get you to think a particular way, to bring fear into your life, to control you and to get you to conform to what they want. What they call news today is really terrorism. And we're going to find there's a lot of terrorism in the world. There's a lot of terrorism that's going on right now. There's a lot of things that people want us to believe and want us to see and want us to conform to. But we must have our being in Jesus Christ that we might have that peace and that we might be still. And no matter what the outcome looks like and no matter what you read or no matter what you don't see in the supermarkets, no matter how they're telling you that this pandemic is growing, you must be at peace with the Lord. So today we're gonna to be talking about the importance of that peace, why it's important that you and I don't fly off the handle and do what most people would expect you to do or what these so-called terrorists want you to do. 
It's important that you stay in the peace of God. It's important that you walk in his way. It's important that while all hell is breaking loose around you, that you can hear God's voice for instruction. So we're gonna look at many times tonight that every time God got ready to use a particular person, the thing that he did was he brought them to peace. Hey, Sister Tanisha, Sister Julia, uh, let's see, um, uh, Brother Randy, and I believe I said hi to Sister Latoya, Sister Melissa, and uh, Brother Stanford. Thank you for being on tonight. It's good to see you guys are here. So I'm going to pray real quick, and we're going to get into this lesson about peace be still. Heavenly Father, Lord, in Jesus' name, Lord, we just pray and we ask, Lord, that you keep your people in you. And Lord, we just thank you for another day that's not promised to us. And Lord, the thing that I, I wish would stand out the most, Lord, within your people is authenticity. And we know that we can't get there because many of us don't know who we are. But if we have our being in you, Lord, that you're gonna show us every single thing that is in, every bit of anxiety, every fear that we might've grown up with, every bit of damage that the devil tried to do to us to keep us from truly being made whole. And we just thank you, Lord, for the presence of the Holy Ghost. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you, Lord God, and we ask tonight that you speak by the comforter, by he that is meant to bring us into all truth and righteousness. And Lord, we just ask in Jesus' name that no man's heart be hurt that no man's flesh be glorified, Lord, but we pray that you bring words of life, words of understanding, words of peace, words of wisdom, words of soberness, Lord, that we may truly understand the war that we're in and that we must keep our being in you and not let the world have its way with us. So we just pray in Jesus' name that you bind every foul spirit, every demonic spirit, every spirit of error, contention, or confusion, every spirit of jealousy, malice, and hatred, spirits of fear, doubt, and unbelief, spirits of rejection, spirits of religion, spirits of self-worth, Lord, and all these things that the devil tries to push in us that we are more than we need to be, I pray in Jesus' name that you eradicate the flesh, that you bring all men unto your spirit, that we may be governed by your spirit, guided by your spirit. Speak what your spirit speaks, Lord, and that you may penetrate the heart that everything we may do may be in sincerity, Lord, may be truly heartfelt, may be a desire to please you and to do your righteous will. For you are the King of Kings, Lord. You are the Lord of Lords. You are faithful, just and true, and worthy of all praises. Lord, we pray and we ask tonight that all these things be done for your glory and your honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, guys. So let's get right into this lesson tonight. Um, you know, I'm I'm grateful to the um outlet that Sister Naima has put together as far as the prayer line is concerned, because, you know, it's a good outlet to hear the prayers of other saints, you know, to pray together in unity. I, this has been very helpful for me, and it's actually been helping me to clear some things up that I've been struggling with. You know, one of my uh, issues has been slothfulness. You know, sometimes I'm paying too much attention to things that I shouldn't be. So it's great to have, you know, prayers to, to be in agreement that we can get back on track, take things away, keep our eyes locked in on the Lord, being in his peace and his understanding, because it's only Jesus Christ that's going to get us through. You know, there are a lot of people out there proclaiming to be Christians, 
that care nothing about the lives of people, don't even want to see souls saved. Their main objective is to do one thing, get as many views as they can on YouTube and, and tell you about all this stuff. But then at the end of it all, it comes down to knowing Jesus Christ and becoming one with him. So, you know, I appreciate the outlet, Sister Naima, that you that the Lord has led you to put together. And for those like Sister Sarah and, and Latoya and, and others that are contributing to it, it's really been a blessing to me. It actually helps for me to have peace in my life. And that's why the Bible tells us, it speaks a lot about peace. It tells us that for those whose minds are stayed on the Lord, he will keep them in perfect peace. We can't afford to not have that these days because the whole world is in turmoil. But there we are in the midst of it all, resting on the true and living God and believing on him, no matter what we see and no matter what we hear. So thank you, Lord, for all that you put together. So I wanna get started with a Psalm, okay? Let's go to Psalm 23, Psalm chapter 23, and let's look at verse one. Psalm 23 and verse one. I'll tell you what, man, you know, I hate to bring up boxing and stuff like that in this kind of situation, but there's even a piece that goes around you when you're boxing, that you're not very reactive to all the things that are going on, that you just keep your mind locked in. There's a mindset that you even have, even in the workplace, when you know Jesus Christ and you keep your mind locked in on him. It's amazing how that when you are into the Lord and you're doing his will, that none of the, the physical tasks around you and, and all the distractions, they don't mess with you. So you see, God's peace is priceless because man can't give you peace, neither can the world, neither can the flesh. All right, so hey, Brother Mark. And uh, I think I said hi to Sister Julia already. All right, so let's look at Psalm 23. Let's look at verse one. This is probably the most famous Psalm of all. And it says, a Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You shall not lack if you keep your strength in the Lord. The Lord is your shepherd. We've got to recognize that. We are sheep that need a shepherd because there are lots of ravenous wolves around. But he says, when the Lord is your shepherd, you will not be in lack. You will not be needy. You will not be without, okay? And uh, hey, brother Derek, he says, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures and leadeth me beside still waters. What does this mean? The Lord will bring an abundance to your life. It may not look like much, but every time you call upon him, the Lord will meet every need. You walk through green pastures. He takes you through fruitfulness, abundance. He gives you a life that if you trust in him, all of your needs will be met. And then it says, he leadeth me beside still waters. The thing that I have said um, already is how invaluable God's peace really is in our lives. Sometimes we're always used to moving and shaking and doing something and going here and going there. Our mouths are running a mile a minute. I speak from experience. Things that are on my mind, I wanna talk about. There are lots of things in this life that capture my attention that shouldn't. But as you can see, when God leads us beside still waters, God brings us to a place of peace. Now, you see, when I use the word peace, people will say, well, you know, that means a utopia. But this is not true. Hey, Sister Melanie, 
This, you can have peace in the midst of war. Like I said, you can have joy in the midst of sorrow. Peace is a fruit of the spirit. So we must understand that peace doesn't always entail, you know, quiet, quiet and calm around you. No, you can have God's peace wherever you are and no matter what is going on, if you truly put your trust in the Lord. So he says, he leadeth me beside still waters. There are times, like I said, I'm so busy that I can't hear God's voice. So you know when God gets me, when I'm sleeping? Now that's, that's sad that your mouth can run that often and you got that many things going on in your mind that you can't hear God's voice. So when I'm sleeping or when I'm praying or when I'm up shaving, it's like all of a sudden the Lord will speak to me. Thoughts will come to me. You know why? Because I have not given the Lord that time to say, Lord, let me remain in your peace. Sometimes, guys, we pray so much, our mouths are running. And then before you know it, amen. And you just get up. Wait a minute. If you're speaking to a person, okay, then you want to hear what that person has to say if you believe that the Lord is real. Hey, Sister Ebony and Brother Daryl. But we must get to that place with God where we actually believe that we are speaking to a person. So, you know, peace and quiet sometimes are required for you and I to hear the voice of God. There are too many times we go off in our own strength. There's so many things in this world that we wanna give the Lord that he didn't ask us for. There's so many ideas that we think we have to be what you would call you know, productive for the kingdom of the Lord instead of being at the feet of Jesus saying, Lord, what will you have me to do? You see, we can all be grandiose and think about all the amazing things. Lord, I wanna part the Red Sea. I wanna cast out devils. I wanna do all these things, which are not wrong to ask for. But the, the thing that God may be seeking for you at this time is obedience. Obedience, how about some quiet? How about some time with me? How about getting down and not saying a word, but hearing what I want to tell you? These things have all to do with our peace and being still before the Lord. You know, it's so funny when I used to teach my students you know, when we would have gym time, I would take them to the gym and show them a little something about boxing. But you see, kids are what you would call, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? They're erratic. You know, they're always, you know, running and trying to do things. So, you know, the first thing I would try to show them is, hey, guys, here's your stance. This is how you stand. OK, you must learn to move your ankles and your hips with your punches and roll your shoulder. You must learn how to, you know, um, bob and weave. But you see, for a kid, that's not very exciting. But in boxing, if you don't learn those things early on, you're not going to get very far. It takes a disciplined life. They just want to punch. They want to do this. They want to do that. Show me this, Mr. Hallett. Show me that. But the thing is, is unless you get down to basics, unless you understand that obedience is at the beginning of it all, unless you understand what it is to just be in the presence of God and not to desire anything from him, but just to be one with him, then everything that you may learn along the way, you know, it can cut your growth. It can stunt you. You have never learned how to hear the voice of God. How will we ever believe that we can go and do things for the Lord? This is all to do with our peace and being still. 
you know, a lot of us are learning the Bible, learning all these things, but a lot of us won't apply it to our lives. We have no idea what peace it brings when we obey the word of God. This ain't about memorizing scripture. This is not about, you know, what we can do and perform before people. There's a peace that comes from God that he wants us to have in discipline before him to hear his voice, to get to know him. Don't you know that God wants to know you so that you can know him? Do you realize that if we don't know the Lord, that everything that we can do will be in vain? So it's important, guys, at this time or at these times, especially in these days, that we hear the voice of God. We spend time with him. We get into quiet with him and we hear what he has to tell us. Those things are so invaluable to us. If we would just hear God, if we would just become familiar with his voice, if we would just go on his schedule and not ours, man, the amazing works that God can do for us. So this is all about peace being still. He's leading them beside still waters. And because he has led them beside still waters, look what comes next. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. So as you can see, God, you recognizing he is your shepherd is what it's all about. Then from God being your shepherd, what does it do? What does he do? He leads you besides green pastures. You know why? Because he wants you to be fruitful. He wants you to be able to know that you can trust in him. Then he leads you beside still waters that you may hear his voice. And then it says he restores your soul and leads you in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Look at this. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and that's where many of us are right now, not knowing of the impending danger and all the things that are going on. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, look at what it says here. I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. So even in the valley of the shadow of death, God is saying here, or David is saying, he won't fear evil because he knows that God is with him. That would give you a sort of peace that you can't buy. There's no health spa. There's no yoga. There's no transcendental meditation. There's no anything that can give you the peace that you will have when you know that even if you go through the valley of the shadow of death, that you will fear no evil. For God is with you. And what does he say? His rod and his staff, they comfort me. See, a lot of people think God ain't with you because certain things may happen to you in life. But you see, the rod is what the shepherd would use for the sheep when it comes time to crack those legs when the sheep is not listening. And that staff is to push you in the right direction. So along with God and the peace that he's given us, sometimes he's got to spank your butt to get you back in line that you can stay with him. He says, thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies, thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Look at this, guys. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Can you imagine troops coming into this country? Things going on, they're setting up. Who knows what they're gonna do? Is it a drill or is this it? If your peace is in the Lord, it doesn't even matter. Imagine God preparing a table before you in the presence of your enemies. 
man, you want to talk about the beauty and the majesty of God. It would be as if your enemies weren't even there, that there you are supping with the Lord, spending time with the Lord, doing the things that God calls you to do, going about and doing the Lord's business. Man, this is what we're talking about, the peace of God. He says, and thou anointest my head with oil and my cup runneth over. Guys, we can't afford in this time to not pray. If we never understood what prayer without ceasing is all about, we better understand it now because he's talking about a head being anointed with oil and your cup runneth over. What does that mean? Bursting forth, filled and filled again with the spirit of God, believing what the Lord is telling you to do and walking in it. Jesus Christ formed in you and leading you toward your purpose. Look at what we have here. He says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You see, David loved the Lord, whether it was peacetime or it was wartime. A lot of people today are getting serious about the Lord because they're afraid. Some people are only down in prayer to save their own skin. But what about knowing the Lord and getting about the Lord's business, about having peace in these times that we can further along the works of the kingdom of God? This is what it means to have peace and to be still and to trust in God. No matter what, you've got Jesus Christ. No matter what, he'll take care of every need. No matter what, he is the good shepherd. And no matter what, I need to get full of him that I may do his will. So hopefully we have an understanding of that. Let's go to another Psalm. I wanna to go to Psalm 27. Psalm 27, guys. Let's look at Psalm 27. Let's look at verse one. The Bible says, a Psalm of David. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Now, you see, if you're like this with David, you see the peace that's there. The Lord is my light and he's my salvation. Whom shall I fear? If the Lord is the strength of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? So if it is God who sustains us, then it is only God that's gonna determine when our last day is gonna be. If we keep ourselves in the Lord, We've got nothing to fear because our God himself is responsible even for when we're going to leave here. He says, when the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. You see that? Even when the wicked and his enemies and his foes came upon him to do him harm, to destroy him, he says they stumbled and fell. Though in host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, and this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. If we stay locked in, fastened on the Lord, it doesn't even matter what the enemy will do because God himself will fight our battles and he will do what needs to be done. 
but we've got to really be in him. We've got to really know him. We've really got to trust him. We've got to desire to be in God. Look at this in verse five, for in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me up upon a rock. Now we know that that rock is Jesus Christ, that sure foundation. Hey brother, Derek, Derek Grant, how's it going? So he says, look, and now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Look at this. Look at verse six again. He says, and now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. So in other words, David's mind is not being subject to everything that is around him. His mind is transcending time and space that he's drawing closer to the Lord. So no matter what his enemies, no matter what turmoil, no matter what chaos is going on around David, look at David, look at what he's interested in. He says that he will offer uh, in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. He will sing, he will sing praises unto the Lord. Look at that. Even with everything going on around him, David's mind is locked in on Christ. This is what we need. He says, hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy also upon me and answer me. When thou say, seek, me my, seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, thy face, Lord, will I seek. Now you see, this is, this is all a part of our peace and thus keeping the peace of the Lord. You see what it says in verse seven or verse eight? He says, when thou said, seek ye my face. Now you see, a lot of us know this. We can be busy doing stuff and organizing, getting stuff together, and you'll hear the Lord tell you in an inner or audible voice, hey, let's pray. Let's get down in prayer. I realize you haven't prayed today, and you know what we do sometimes? If we're obedient, we'll get down. But if not, we'll say, after the show. Okay, I'm, no, I'm going to get to you, Lord. Let me just take care of this, that, and the third. You see, obedience has a lot to do with peace because if you want to rely on God, God's also got to, got to be able to rely on you. This thing is a true relationship. This is a thing of trust. This is a thing of, you see, David talked about, he said in verse seven, Lord, when I cry, hear my voice and have mercy upon me. Now that's David asking. But David is now saying, when the Lord asks for you to seek his face, he says, my heart will say unto you, thy face, Lord, will I see. This thing is give and take. Yes, he is God, but God needs you. And that keeps you in his peace when you understand this. He says, hide not thy face far from me. Put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help, leave me not. Neither forsake me, O God, of my salvation. He says, when my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. We've got no time to become stragglers. We've got no time to become world conscious. You and I have no time right now to call ourselves, you know, trying to find your own way. David here is praying, Lord, make my path plain and clear because of mine enemies. 
Show me what to do. Show me what to say. I'm not sure what brother online uh, prayed that prayer. I think it was brother of Coach P. But what he said was, Lord, we got no time to figure out whether it's of you or not of you. We need to know. This all comes in obedience unto the Lord and being in Christ, and you will have his peace. That's what this is about. So he says, make my path plain because of mine enemies. He says, deliver me not over to the will of mine enemies, for false witnesses are risen up against me, and such as breathe out cruelty. He said, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You see, a lot of people right now feel like fainting. A lot of people feel like, why couldn't I be born in the 30s so I could be dead and gone now? No, you were born in this time that God is gonna use you, but you will have perfect peace if your mind is stayed on him. We are too busy for the Lord when we should be really taking the time out in silence. Lord, what do you want me to do? I want to hear your voice. I know what the media is saying. I know what the news is saying. I know what my neighbor is saying, how they're gonna run off to a bunker and do all this other stuff. But Lord, right now, I need to hear your voice. This has everything to do with our peace in the Lord and being still. He says, look, I would have fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. So regardless of what advice you're getting out there, wait on the Lord. Spend time with the Lord. Seek the face and the voice of the Lord because that's gonna carry us through in all this. You see, the devil loves turmoil. He loves to turn up the music. He loves to cause panic. But if we're not moved by what the devil is doing and we seek the face and hearing the Lord, God will talk to you. Man, that's what this is about. Let's go to Psalm 46. I know y'all thinking, man, what is it with all these Psalms? There's, there's one key message in it if you guys didn't hear it already. Look at Psalm 46. Psalm 46 and verse one. I'm gonna read this one right through. He says to the chief musician for the sons of Korah, a song of Alamoth, God is our refuge and strength of very present help in trouble. You see that? He's our refuge. Therefore, will we not fear, though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, thou the mountain, or though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, say love. There is a river, the streams whereof shall make, uh, shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the most high. What does this tell us in so many ways? Be in the spirit, be in the spirit. Stay with Jesus Christ, hear him. Desire to do what he says. Look at verse four again. There is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad. The city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the most high. That's Jesus Christ for us, guys. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her 
and that right early. And verse six says, the heathen raged, the kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice, the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge, Selah. Come behold the works of the Lord, what desolations have uh, he hath made in the earth. He maketh wars to cease unto the end of the earth. He breaketh the bow and cutteth the spear in sunder. He burneth the chariots in the fire. Look at verse 10, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge, Selah. So as you can see, guys, this is gonna be a teaching of encouragement. The Bible says that Jesus Christ, the same today, yesterday, and forever. He said, I am the Lord thy God, and I change not. If we be still and God's peace is upon us, we will be okay with the Lord. It's time to pray. It's time to shut everything out. It's time to trust in him. So when his peace is among us, we will be still. We will wait for instruction. We will discover obedience. We will learn what it is to hear the voice of God and obey it. That's what this is about. So I wanna go to a couple of other places real quick before we dig in deep, okay? Matter of fact, let me just go there real quick. Let's look at Exodus chapter 14. Let's go to Exodus 14 and let's look at verse one. Exodus chapter 14 and one. Man, forget what the media said. Because a lot of people done sold their house already ran off, did whatever, bought all this stuff and ain't got two coins in the bank. And then, you know, let's just say this thing turns around now what? And we got to wait on the Lord for instruction with everything he tells us to do. Look at Exodus 14, guys, look at verse one. And the Lord spake unto Moses saying, speak unto the children of Israel that they turn and encamp before Pihiharoth. I always hated to pronounce that word. It says, uh, between Migdal and the sea over against Baalsephon, uh, before it shall before it shall ye encamp by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, they are entangled in the land, the wilderness hath shut them in. He says, I will harden Pharaoh's heart that he shall follow after them and I will be honored upon Pharaoh and upon all his hosts that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord and they did so. So what we must understand here guys and look at is that the children of Israel will let go, but God is telling Moses, hey, I'm gonna harden Pharaoh's heart. Now I'm not so sure that God was going to Pharaoh to harden Pharaoh's heart to destroy him, I think, and I could be wrong, but I think that what Pharaoh was doing was sitting around thinking about how he lost to this unknown God. How the children of Israel, if he's supposed to be a Pharaoh, they just walked on out and were set free when he was supposed to be the world power. So I think what's going on with Pharaoh in this case is, you know what? Nah, man, nah. 
I ain't gonna, they, they're just going to walk off like that. What am I going to look like? So I think the more he thought about God, the harder his heart became and said, no, 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 I'm going to deal with this. They ain't going nowhere. Look at verse five. And it was told the king of Egypt that the people fled and the heart of Pharaoh and of his servants was turned against the people. See, and it says, and they said, why have we done this? That we have let Israel go from serving us. And he made ready his chariot and took his people with him. See, I don't think God was intentionally hardening his heart. The more that they thought about that God set them free, the more they wanted to make war with the Lord. So Pharaoh said, we're going to go and get them back. Look at verse seven. And he took 600 chosen chariots and all the chariots of Egypt and captains uh, over every one of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued after the children of Israel and the children of Israel went out with an high hand. So the children of Israel went out feeling good. And you see a lot of us, after we might deal with some prayer meetings and hear what the word of God says and begin to believe on Jesus Christ, that we're feeling pretty high and mighty, like, yeah, 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 God's gonna take care of this. But what will the devil do? Try and come back and instill fear to keep you from walking in the faith of the Lord. Verse nine says, but the Egyptians pursued after them, all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh and his horsemen and his army and overtook them and camping by the sea, besieged Pihiharoth before Baal And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes and behold, the Egyptians marched after them and they were sore afraid and the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. Now you see guys, I'm sure for many of us who had the privilege of seeing the tanks come in and the Jeeps and all this other stuff probably filled people's hearts with fear. Probably had people thinking, oh no, this is becoming very, very real. But you see, this is what the uh, children of Israel felt when they saw the Egyptians coming. They cried out to the Lord and that's what you and I ought to do. Verse 11 says, and they said unto Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt, Hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Make sure, guys, that you never pray a prayer like this. Make sure that you never blame God for what's come to America. Because one thing we know about our God, he is faithful and he is true, regardless of what the circumstances may look like. So these people are blaming Moses. Oh, okay, Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt. Now you're going to just see to it that we die, huh? You know, you just, you weren't happy enough until we got out here ready to be destroyed. Look at verse 12. Is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians for it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. You see how these people have no peace? One minute. They walk out of Egypt, praising and loving and serving God. But then when they see the Egyptians, they now blame God and blame Moses and tell their very deliverer, you know what, leave us alone. See, a lot of people hate God right now because they lost their job claiming to serve him. 
A lot of people hate God right now because their marriage is having trouble because finances have become an issue. A lot of people are mad at God because the tanks are rolling in here. But what people need to understand and recognize is this can very well be your liberation. You claim that you want to be with the Lord no matter what. Well, perhaps God is setting us free. We must understand where we are and that we must remain in the Lord's peace because if not, we're gonna to get to a place of loving and hating God. Lord, I love you today, hate you tomorrow. Lord, I believe that you can be deliverer of all things, but today I'm not so sure. We need unshakable faith, and the only unshakable faith we're gonna have is our peace in the Lord. Look at this, in verse 13. And Moses said unto the people, fear ye not, stand still. Notice what he said, fear ye not, that's the faith. What's the second thing? Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will shew to you this day or today. For the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. So these people are building up their tanks and doing whatever they're doing. Hey, these people don't wanna fool around with God. You don't know what God has in store or what he plans to do, but I'm here to tell you, Keep your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, no matter what it looks like. Look at verse 14. The Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your what? Your peace. And the Lord said unto Moses, wherefore criest thou unto me? Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. But lift thou up thy rod, and stretch out thine hand over the sea, and divide it, and the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. And I, behold, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they shall follow them, and I will get me honor upon Pharaoh and upon his host, upon his chariots, and upon his horsemen. So you see that God's gonna get honor upon all these things that are taking place. You see, and this is why, guys, I hate to keep stopping, but this is one reason why we must die out to the flesh. Because you see, God may be trying to do something. What if God said to us, let's be realistic. I'm gonna get my honor through you guys, okay? So therefore, I want you to go out and stand in front of a tank and proclaim the gospel and what I tell you to do. You see how we won't obey? Well, I might get arrested something may happen. They may take me. They may do something with me. You see, you've got to get out of you if God is to get the glory. Your life and your peace should be in Jesus Christ. But look at this, verse 18, and the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten me honor upon Pharaoh, upon his chariots, and upon his horsemen. And the angel of God, which went before the camp of Israel, removed and went behind them. And the pillar of the cloud went from be before their face and stood behind them. And it, came to, and, it, and it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel, and it was a cloud and darkness to them, but it gave light by night to these, so that the one came not near the other all the night. So it was a darkness, to the enemies, they couldn't see. But to those who were in God, 
it was a light upon them that they wouldn't stumble around. You see this? Look at 21. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night and made the sea dry land and the waters were divided. And the children of Israel went in the midst of the sea upon the dry ground and the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. And the Egyptians pursued and went in after them in the midst of the sea, even all Pharaoh's horses, uh, his chariots and his horsemen. And it came to pass that in the morning watch, the Lord looked unto the host of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and of the cloud that troubled the host of the Egyptians and took off their chariot wheels that they drave them heavily. So the Egyptians said, let us flee from the face of Israel for the Lord fighteth for them against the Egyptians. You see that? God's got your back. Imagine the Lord being a pillar of fire, okay? And they, they're trying to get by and the Lord's hands are coming or the angel of the Lord's hands are coming out of the pillar, snatching off the wheels of the chariots and everything that they got to drag them heavily. Man, you don't want to fool around with God. And what did those people do for those who had the chariots? Man, they fled. Like, man, I'm getting out of here. So look at this. Uh, let's see. Look at verse 26. And the Lord said unto Moses, stretch out thine hand over the sea, that the waters may come again upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots and upon their horsemen. And Moses stretched forth his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to his strength. When the morning appeared and the Egyptians fled against it, and the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea, and the waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen and all the host of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them, there remained not so much as one of them. But the children of Israel walked upon dry land in the midst of the sea, and the waters were a wall unto them, and their right hand and on their left. And thus the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw uh, the Egyptians dead upon the shore. Man, this is what we're talking about. You keep your peace in God. I don't care if they brought 10 million troops over here. We've got the one true God that has our back. If we stay down in prayer, if we keep the peace of the Lord, if we be obedient to what the Lord is calling us to do, he's gonna fight this battle. It's already won before it is over. They better take heed, okay, to what the true and living God says. They better take heed to what it is to mess with the child of God. They better beware of the true and living God and what he will do for those that love him. The Bible says the angel of the Lord encampeth around those that fear God. Let our peace return unto us and let us be still because our God has won before it has even begun. Let's, let's move on. I want to point to a couple of things. Look at Psalm 37 and look at verse 7.
Psalm 37, guys, let's look at verse seven. Amen, Brother Daryl. Don't you know that the name of Jesus is above every name? That's what it's about. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. Look at uh, Psalm 37 and look at verse seven. He says, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. For evildoers shall be cut off, but those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. You guys hear that? This is all about putting your trust in the Lord. I don't care what they say. Look at the next thing. We're gonna stay in Psalm 37. Look at Psalm 37 in verse 28. Let's scroll down to verse 28. It says, for the Lord loveth judgment, and forsaketh not his saints. They are preserved forever, but the seed of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell therein forever. The mouth of the righteous speaketh wisdom and his tongue talketh of judgment. The law of his God is in his heart. None of his steps shall slide. So you see, when the law of God is in your heart, your steps will not slip. Hey, niece Alicia, hope all is well. He says, look at this. The wicked watched of the righteous and seeketh to slay him. The Lord will not leave him in his hand, nor condemn, uh, nor condemn him when he is judged. Wait on the Lord and keep his way, and he shall exalt thee to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, thou shalt see it. Uh, I have seen the wicked in great power and spreading himself like a, green, uh, like a green bay tree. So look at this, guys. I have seen the wicked in great power. They're feeling really mighty going around with those tanks and acting like they're getting ready to do something. And he says, and spreading like a green tree, uh, a green bay tree. So they're all over the place. They're going from state to state. They're going worldwide. But look at verse 36. Yet he passed away, and lo, he was not. Yea, I sought him, but he could not be found. Mark the perfect man, and behold the upright, for the end of that man is peace. The man who was upright is peace. He says, but the transgressors shall be destroyed. Together the end of the wicked shall be cut off. But the salvation of the righteous is of the Lord. He is their strength in the time of trouble. And the Lord shall help them and deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked and save them because they trust in him. Not the media, not you know firearms and all the things you think you have and you need. None of that mess. Your trust is in the Lord. Everything has its place, but we must understand for those who rested and trust in the Lord, he will deliver them in their time of trouble. That's why we don't have to worry. We don't have to wonder 
what God is going to do. God will do it because he is God. So look at this. Look at Jeremiah 14. Look at Jeremiah 14 and look at verse 22. Hey, nephew Elijah, hope all is well. Look at uh, Jeremiah 14, look at verse 22. Are there any among the vanities of the Gentiles that can cause rain or can the heavens give showers? Art not thou, art not thou he, O Lord, our God? Therefore, we will wait upon thee for thou hast made all these things. I don't think that we've ever taken into account what kind of power God has. The very fact that he spoke this world into existence, the very fact that he held on to you when you were a sinner trying very hard to kill yourself, the very fact that he could take someone as wretched as we were, okay, and allow us time to repent and to protect you so that you could stay in his grace and grow. I don't think that we truly understand if Jesus says the thief comes, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. But he says, I am come that you might have life, that you may have it more abundantly. That means every day, guys, the devil's trying to kill you. Every day, the devil's trying to find something to destroy you, you know, to steal from you, even if it's your confidence. But we must understand the reason why he has not succeeded is because of the fact that he has no power over God nor his will. It is time, guys, that we get to know this Jesus, that we understand that if we're in his peace, there is nothing the devil can do to you. You see, he's a fire-breathing dragon, okay? But when you move the curtain away, you'll find out he's just an old man claiming to be the Wizard of Oz. It is time to put your trust in the Lord like never before and do not let doubt and fear come into your mind. The Bible says that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power and of love and of a sound mind. A sound mind is a peaceful mind. It's a healthy mind. It's a mind that God can use. So let us stop living in fear. Let us stop doing things that he never called us to do. Let us remain and keep our peace in the Lord that he may do what needs to be done with us. Trust in the Lord. Man, Joshua even commanded the sun to stand still when they were fighting in, uh, in, uh, uh, against the Amorites. And God commanded the sun to stand still and the moon stayed that they might have victory over their enemies. Man, we don't know this God. We don't know what this God can do. We've got no idea the power of this God. Look at Isaiah 40 and look at verse 25. Isaiah chapter 40 and look at verse 25. Then I think I'm gonna play a video of uh, Derek Prince. It's a good video that we might enjoy. All right, look at Isaiah 40, guys. Look at verse 25. It says, to whom then will ye liken me, or shall I be equal, saith the Holy One? Who's equal to God? 
You think the new world order is equal to God? You think Satan himself is equal to God? There is no one that compares to the one true God and his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. He says, lift up your eyes on high and behold who have created these things that bringeth out their host by number. He calleth them all by names, by the greatness of his might, for that he is strong in power, not one faileth. Why sayest thou, O Jacob, and speakest, O Israel, my way? My way is hid from the Lord, and my judgment is passed over from my God. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the God, the creator of the ends of the earth fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. So God hasn't left us. God is not weak. He's still God and very much in control. He says he giveth power to the faint and to them that have no might. He increaseth strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. I think the message being carried out tonight, guys, is wait on the Lord. Be patient. Trust in him. Keep your peace in Christ. Because after all, he's the only true overcomer that you and I know. Let's continue. I got more to get into. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 28 and look at verse 14. We're going to get deeper in, but we got to understand what this thing is about. Isaiah, Isaiah 28 and 14, and then I will play the video. It's not a question of what God's going to do. It's whether or not you believe he's God. And that's what we've got to get into. Uh, what's wrong with you, Elijah? Stomach ache? Yeah, we'll be praying for you, man. Let's look at Isaiah 28, guys. Let's look at verse 14. It says, Wherefore hear the word of the Lord, ye scornful men, that rule this people, uh, which is in Jerusalem, because ye have said, we have made a covenant with death and with hell. Are we at agreement when, we, um, uh, when the overflowing scourge shall pass through? It shall not come unto us, for we have made lies our refuge, and under falsehood, we have hid ourselves. Now, I'm going to pause here for a little bit to make some points. You see, the scourge or the judgment of America is definitely, okay, coming through America right now. But we must have an understanding of what God is about and what the word of God says. It made clear that even though the scourge may pass through, it says it shall not come to us. For we have made lies our refuge, and under falsehood we have hid ourselves. You see, we have made lies our refuge. We believed that if we gave the world what it needed, that we would be okay. We believe that, yeah, you can give God a little time, but you got things to do as well. 
You see, we've made lies our refuge. We even believe some of us that what we have is our protection is going to sustain us, but nothing can be further from the truth. It is in Jesus Christ alone, it is in a one true God that we might have our being. Look at verse 16. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation, a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. He that believeth shall not make haste. So if you believe that we've got a tried stone, that we've got a precious cornerstone, which is Jesus Christ, we don't have to make haste. All we got to do is be in his peace and be one with him. That's it. Because a lot of people are making haste because they don't know God. A lot of people are rushing and buying everything off the shelves because they don't know God. A lot of people are begging their job not to let them go because they don't know God. But we must understand, if we're on a sure foundation, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, then all we need is to rest upon that stone and let that stone, which is Jesus Christ, be our refuge. Let me play this video because I'm getting a little too excited right now. I may jump up and start shouting the way I'm feeling right now because our God is God. And it's time we see that. I don't care what your circumstances look like. I don't care what lies the devil is telling you. Our God is God. All right. No, that's not the right one. Wrong place. Okay. One second, guys. Right. This is a video by Derek Prince. Let's see if it's uh, hooked up and it's staying on. All right. You guys listen to this. The Lord led me to this like shortly before we began the teaching, so. Okay. You guys ready? All right, let's try it. We need to understand that in our contemporary culture and civilization. Oh boy, this dumb thing again. One second. Gotta hook the uh Bluetooth that all right. 
I think we got it together. I think we're good now. So let's try it again. Okay. okay, there we go. All right, guys, here we go. Derek Prince. to understand that in our contemporary culture and civilization we are exposed to many different kinds of pressure and they seem always to be increasing never diminishing they would be far too numerous to attempt to name them all but let me just give you some simple examples one common form of pressure is peer pressure from our own particular group our own age level our own social levels the pressure to conform, to be like the rest of the group. This is manifested in a very obvious way when children are in school together. There's a pressure to do what all the other kids are doing. For instance, a child may be pressured into smoking marijuana because all the other kids are doing it, or to using swear words or unclean words simply because everybody else is doing it and not to do it makes you to stand out like a sore thumb. Or the peer pressure goes on as we go up in life uh, in upper brackets. It's known as keeping up with the Joneses. The other family across the street has got a new car. We have to have a new car. They've built a swimming pool. We have to build a swimming pool. There's an almost ceaseless pressure to be like others and to keep up with others often in a way that's contrary to our own inner nature and real personality. Then there are some more basic pressures, the mere pressure to survive, as for instance in the fight against disease. Many, many people have had a condition diagnosed which in a shorter or a longer term is likely to prove fatal. So you may be one of those fighting against a disease which is uh, the prognosis is that it's going to take your life, maybe in a few months, maybe in a few years. And so you have this kind of sentence of death hanging over you, a form of pressure. Now, often associated with such pressures, there is a voice that speaks to your mind. Sometimes it's even an audible voice, but many times it's just an inner voice, and yet the things it says can be formulated in clear and specific sentences. Now, we need to understand that where there's a voice, there's a person behind the voice. There's no such thing in the universe as a voice without a person. The presence of a voice indicates the presence of a person. Many times the voice that we hear in such situations accuses us or torments us in some way. If the voice that comes to our minds accuses or torments, then we know for sure one thing. Behind that voice, there is a person, and that person is Satan. Bear in mind, he, Satan, the devil, is the accuser and the tormentor. When you have an accusing, tormenting voice in your mind, in your life, pressuring you, driving you, goading you, you know without further evidence that the devil is at work in your life. One common accusation is God doesn't love you. You feel rejected and lonely 
other people seem to be able to relate to God. God seems to have a plan for other people's lives, but you're the exception. Or you'll always be a failure. Maybe that voice not only comes to you just directly to your mind, but it comes to you through another person. Maybe through your parents or through your life's partner. You'll always be a failure. You've failed so many times that there just doesn't seem to be any alternative for you in life but failure. And there's this voice telling you, you'll always be a failure. And then there's the torment that's associated with physical pain and symptoms of disease. Like that pain is caused by cancer. You have a pain somewhere in your abdomen. Maybe you have other symptoms, some kind of bleeding. And you're too frightened to go to the doctor and get an x-ray or an examination. But ceaselessly, day and night, there's this thought that's formed in your mind. That's cancer. It's cancer that's causing that pain. Quite possibly, there's probably very little wrong with you. But you're just tormented and too frightened to face up to the challenge of your torment. Now, there's a description in the Bible of a man who underwent that kind of torment, and he summed it up very vividly in a few words that I'd like to share with you. The man was Job, and these words are found in Job chapter 3, verses 25 and 26. Listen to what Job says. What I feared has come upon me. What I dreaded has happened to me. I have no peace no quietness. I have no rest, but only turmoil. That's true of countless thousands in our contemporary civilization. What I feared has come upon me. You see, your fear can open the door to the very thing you're afraid of. So the devil uses the fear as a lever to bring something else upon you that follows the fear. What I feared has come upon me. What I dreaded has happened to me. I have no peace, no quietness. I have no rest, but only turmoil. Is that your condition? Does that describe you? I want you to know there is a remedy. First of all, we need to recognize the door that Satan uses to get into our lives. There are various doors, but I'm just going to suggest to you two of the commonest that I've seen many times in counseling sessions. The first door that Satan uses is resentment and unforgiveness in ourselves. We are resentful and unforgiving towards some other person, usually a person that's pretty close to us. Might be a parent, might be a husband or a wife or a child or a neighbor or a minister in a church, but it's usually somebody we're pretty close to. Then the other door that Satan frequently uses is rebellion, an attitude of rebellion toward God, sometimes also toward society, toward human authority. But in its essence, it's rebellion toward God, a refusal to submit to the righteous government of God. Now, the remedy, first of all, is to close the door. If the door is resentment and unforgiveness, then we have to forgive the person we resent. We have to lay down that resentment, that bitterness, that hatred. Listen to what Jesus says in the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. We have no right to ask God to forgive us beyond the measure in which we forgive others. That's the measure in which God will forgive us. If your problem is rebellion, and especially rebellion against God, then the way to close the door is to submit to God. Again, it's a decision of your will.
Listen to what James says in chapter 4, verse 7. Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You see, you cannot resist the devil as long as you're resisting God, because God is the only one who can give you the faith and the strength and the grace that you need to resist the devil. So if the devil's tormenting you, the first thing you have to do is to submit to God. Lay down your rebellion toward God. Say, God, I submit to you. You're my creator. You're in command of the universe. And I submit to your righteous government, to your dealings in my life, and I'll do whatever you require of me. Then you have the right to take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and to drive the devil out of your life. Just as Jesus did when the devil came to him, he answered him each time, it is written, it is written, it is written. Jesus was submitted to God Therefore, he could resist the devil. If you will submit to God as Jesus submitted to God, then you have the right to resist the devil. You have the right to say to those voices, I will listen to you no more. Satan, get out of my life. I'm yielded to God. I belong to God. You have no claims over me. All the claims against me were settled by the death of Jesus on the cross. I now resist you and command you to go from me. How to obtain release from mental torment is negative. How to enjoy true peace of mind is positive. And bear in mind that we need the positive just as much as the negative. There is a kind of condition of a mental vacuum, and almost invariably, if we maintain that vacuum long enough, some evil force will press its way in and regain control of our minds. Therefore, one essential part of our protection is to have our minds garrisoned with the peace of God. This is what the New Testament clearly teaches us. First of all, we need to know that we have peace with God. There is no kind of peace of any reality or permanence unless there's a right relationship with Almighty God. The scripture says in the prophet Isaiah, there is no peace to the wicked. To those who are in rebellion and opposition toward God, to those who are leading lives that are not subject to God's laws and requirements, there is no peace. There is no way that such persons can have peace. Therefore, we have, first of all, to make sure that we've been reconciled with God. Paul says in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God, through our Lord Jesus Christ. And in verse 11, he says that through Jesus, we have received the reconciliation. The word reconciliation indicates that there was a need to be reconciled. By our carnal nature and our sinful lives, we were at war with Almighty God. We were not subject to his just ordinances and requirements. We were not leading the kind of life that brought glory to God. And so we had to repent and we had to accept the reconciliation that's extended to us by God through Jesus. Because Jesus on the cross was identified with our sin and rebellion. The judgment for that sin came upon him and he paid the full and final penalty for our sins by his death. So we can be reconciled to God through the death of Jesus. Being reconciled and receiving God's promise of forgiveness Paul says we have been justified by faith, and so we now have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The word justified is an important word. It could be interpreted we have been acquitted. We're no longer held guilty. It could be interpreted 
we have been rendered righteous because when we believe in Jesus and his death on our behalf, his righteousness is imputed to us or reckoned to us on the basis of our faith. Personally, the definition of justified that I like best is just as if I'd never sinned. That's beautiful, isn't it? When the righteousness of Jesus has been reckoned to me by God, then I'm righteous not with my own righteousness, but with his righteousness. And bear in mind, the righteousness of Jesus never knew sin. It never knew guilt. The only reason that he paid the penalty was that he paid it on our behalf, but he had no penalty to pay for himself. So think in terms of being justified. Say to yourself, I'm justified, just as if I never sinned. If you find it hard to believe, say it again and again. Through the death of Jesus, I'm justified, just as if I'd never sinned. I have peace with God. God holds nothing more against me. I've been acquitted. That's the great basis for mental peace. Once we know this, we have God on our side, and that makes all the difference in life. Paul goes on in Romans 8. 31 and 32, speaking on behalf of those of us who've received this reconciliation, who believe that according to scripture, we are justified. Paul says, what shall we then say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? That's a good question. Who can be against us if God is for us? Somebody expressed it this way. One plus God is a majority in any situation. Paul goes on. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How will he not also with him freely give us all things? So because God was willing to give Jesus his most precious treasure, his only begotten son, then we know that such love as that will hold nothing back that's good from us or that we need. If God gave up Jesus, there's nothing good he'll ever withhold from us. God is on our side. He's for us. The resources of heaven are at our disposal. That's the basis of mental peace. Once we really comprehend by faith that we've been reconciled with God, that we are justified, that we're reckoned righteous with the righteousness of Jesus, that we can say justified, just as if I'd never sinned, then we can move on into the complete and full provision of God for our mental peace. This provision is stated as clearly as anywhere that I know by Paul in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 8, where he says this, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all comprehensions, shall guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Notice that significant and beautiful phrase, the peace of God, which passes all comprehension, shall guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Then Paul goes on in the next verse, finally, brethren, and this is the conclusion, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence, and if anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things. 
Well, we've already looked at the beautiful promise. The peace of God, which passes all comprehension, shall guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. But remember, in order to claim the promise, we have to fulfill the conditions. So now let's look at the conditions. The first condition is renounce anxiety. Be anxious for nothing. Every time anxiety begins to move in on your mind, refuse it. Answer it. Say, I'm justified, just as if I'd never sinned. God holds nothing against me. I have peace with God. God is on my side. All God's resources are available to me. I refuse to be anxious. It's not sensible or logical to be anxious when I believe that. So, first condition, renounce anxiety. Second condition, pray about everything. Many times, mental peace is not there simply because we don't pray. We get into a problem or a situation and we try to handle it in our own resources without praying and turning to God for his wisdom and his resources which are available to us as soon as we pray. Third condition, always be thankful. That's absolutely essential. It's not enough to pray. We must pray to God with thanksgiving. A thankful heart is usually a peaceful heart. But an ungrateful person really cannot know true and lasting peace. Ingratitude is just opposite to the whole nature of God. The fourth condition, think about the right things. And Paul tells us what are the right things. You have the power to focus your mind on what you wish. You can focus it on the bad and the negative, or you can focus it on the good and the upbuilding. And then, if you're still having problems, invoke the Holy Spirit. Remember, you can call upon him to help you. Let me just illustrate this as I close with a simple example from nature. In many countries, I think particularly in Egypt, there are two kinds of birds, those that feed on carrion or rotten meat and those that feed on fresh meat. Each bird finds what it's looking for. And the same is true of our minds. We can feed our minds on carrion or we can feed them on fresh meat. We'll find what we are looking for. But if you look for the positive, the good, the upbuilding, the edifying, you'll find it. All right. Praise the Lord. Hey, Sister Naomi, hope all is well with you. But you see, that's what the whole thing is about, is putting your trust in the Lord no matter what, no matter what you have to face. I think in many ways, why a lot of us have fear of what's coming, when you see that happening with people, I think it's because it's like Derek Prince said, a lot of these people don't believe that they're in good standing with God. You see, so when it talks about the judgment, or as I talked about the other day, the judgment of America, you see, if you're a sinner, you automatically think your name is on that list too. You see, you're not sure if you're okay with God. You're not sure if God has your back like he has other people, you know? So that's where the uncertainty is. It is in the peace of God. It is in knowing the Lord. If we live a life in rebellion, we're gonna have one in fear because you know that you have been disobedient. So you know God might be looking for you. But you see, if you're with him and you got your mind stayed on him and you are in his peace and you are obedient to what God calls you to, you can be still and you can know that he is God and you can ask God for the things that 
that are available. I mean, or, you know, th those resources that you need and God will meet them. You see, but if you are a rebel, now you're wondering if, man, if I pray, I wonder if even if anybody will even be listening in. You see, because you know that your relationship is not where it should be. So this is why, guys, we ought to seek the presence of God. We need to seek what the Lord has for us. Why? So that way, you know, we can be in good standing in him and have our peace in him. When you're obedient, you know the Lord's going to fight your battles because you're not offending him. And that's the place that God wants to get us all to, to where we can have our peace and our being in him because we simply know that he is God. So let's move on. I want to go to a place real quick. Let's go to, um, uh, let's see, let's go to uh, First Chronicles, not First Chronicles, First uh, Samuel chapter 30. Let's look at First Samuel chapter 30. And then from there, we're just going to hit the New Testament with everything. But look at First Samuel chapter 30. First Samuel chapter 30, guys, let's look at verse one. It says, and it came to pass when David and his men were come to Zitlag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and, uh, and Zitlag and smitten Zitlag and burned it with fire and had taken the women captives that were therein. They slew not any, um, any either great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. So David and his men came to the city and behold, it was burned with fire and their wives and their sons and their daughters uh, were taken captives. Uh, then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives were taken captive, Ahinoam, the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the wife of Nabal, the Carmelite. And David was greatly distressed for the people spake of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters, but David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. So notice you got two kinds of people here, just like you had two kinds of people in Exodus 14. You've got those murmurers and complainers, whatever news they get will determine how they feel, right? Those people that believe, all right, now Moses, didn't we tell you to leave us alone that we might be okay in Egypt? Now you've got the people ready to stone David because of the fact that you know their wives and their kids and their city was burned up and everything was taken away. Everybody's blaming David. But you see where David is? It says, but David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. So where was David? He was still at this point and his peace was in God. Look at this. Look at verse seven. And David said to Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, I pray thee, bring me hither the ephod. And Abiathar brought, uh, brought thither the ephod to David. And David inquired at the Lord saying, shall I pursue after this truth? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them 
and, and without fail, recover all. Now, what if David went in his own strength? What if he just went and just said, you know, because if he was getting pressured by the people, that David, man, you need to get out there and do something about this. David sought the Lord, even at the cost of his own wives and his children and his neighbor's children. He wasn't reactive. He wasn't emotional. His peace was in God until he received instruction. So David went, uh, he and 600 men, that were with him and came to the brook Besor, where there that were uh, left behind stayed. But David pursued he and 400 men for 200 abode behind, which were so faint that they could not go over of uh, the brook Besor. And they found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David and gave him bread and he did eat and they made him drink water. And they gave him a piece of cake of figs and two clusters of raisins. And when he had eaten, his spirit came again to him and he had eaten no bread nor drunk any water three days and three nights. So I want you guys to look at this. While they were pursuing after their enemies, they ran into an Egyptian. So for the sake of making sense, let's just say that this Egyptian is a worldly person and David is a type of Jesus Christ. Where did they find this Egyptian? In the field. And they brought him to David and they gave him bread and they gave him drink. And then it says they gave him a piece of cake and figs and his spirit began to come unto him. For this guy had not eaten for three days. Now that's the last thing that you would ever hear is that an Egyptian would starve. The reason is, is because Egypt, they were like a world power. You know, they were people that had their physical carnal means. So therefore they should have been good. But look at this in verse 13. All right, look at this in verse 13. And David said unto him, to whom belongest thou? Who do you belong to? And whence art thou? And he said, I am a young man of Egypt. So he's a young man of the world, servant to, the, to, the, to an Amalekite, and my master left me because three days are gone, I fell sick. So you know that there are people now, guys, just to get off the subject for a minute, they can't even go to the doctor to test for coronavirus because they're saying, hey, we don't have room. The best we can do for you is stay in your house. You see, this is the best that the world can give you is, hey, man, if you make it, you make it. If you don't, you don't. But this guy said that his master left him because he fell sick. So his master wasn't in the business of nursing him back to health, making sure that he was whole and not lacking. When it was convenient for his master, he left him flat. I want y'all to think about that because that sounds a lot like what we're dealing with right now. Inconvenience for the master, when the time came for him, he leaves us flat. But he's not my master, I'm just making the point. It says, we made an invasion upon the south of the Cherethites and upon the coast which belongeth to Judah and upon the south of Caleb, and we burned Zitlag with fire. So this guy even contributed to what his master wanted and burning up the town of David. And this guy probably took David's two wives and whoever else was left, he helped. But look at verse 15. And David said unto him, canst thou bring me down to this company? And he said, swear unto me by God that thou will neither kill me 
nor deliver me into the hand of my master, and I will bring thee down to this company. So that God says, hey, if you don't betray me like he did me, that dirty dog, I'll come and join up with you and help you out. This is what the Lord is giving us a chance to do right now. For those who don't know Christ, for those who thought the world was more important than God, the Lord is giving you a chance right now to repent, join up with his side, okay, that he may give you peace, that he may take care of your every need. He says, and when he had brought him down, behold, they were spread abroad upon all the earth, eating and drinking and dancing because of all the great spoil that they had taken out of the land of the Philistines and out of the land of Judah. And David smote them from the twilight, even unto the evening to the next day. And there escaped not a man of them, save 400 young men which rode upon camels and fled. And David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away, and David rescued his two wives. You know why? Because David's you know, um, peace or his confidence wasn't in the Philistines or, or, or in his own truth. You know, wasn't in who the Amalekites were. It was because David trusted in the Lord. He sought the voice of, Lord, of the Lord. He remained his mind in a peaceful place. Well, he, he kept his mind in peace that he may hear the instructions of the Lord. And if you and I obey the voice of God, we can't go wrong. Because like Paul Washer said in yesterday's teaching, when has God ever steered us wrong? So who are we that we're so busy that we can't wait to hear the instructions of the Lord. That's just something for us to think about. Our peace is in Christ. So let's go to John 14. John chapter 14. In your spare time, guys, read Numbers 11. Because in Numbers 11, those people were murmuring and complaining. They would rather have the fish and the onion and the fruit and the garlic of Egypt than to obey God to make it into the promised land in their wilderness experience. And what happened? God got sick of their murmuring and complaining and he gave them just what they want. See, a lot of people are just praying to God, man, let everything go back to the way it was. Let me be free. Let me have my job back. Let me be someone in society again. Okay, but if God gave you that, would you be faithful to God? You see, God knows every heart. And when, you know, one thing I'm recognizing, because I teach in the education system, especially uh, special education, one thing I realized, although it would be nice to kind of get back to normal life and live and, you know, do what I was doing, I realized when I was in that place, I didn't have the peace that I've got now. The things that those kids would do, the things that administrators would say and all these people, man, it grieved my spirit. There were some days going to work, I didn't even want to go because I'm like, man, I know this kid is going to act up today. I know we're going to have it out. I know I'm going to deal with this one. I know this one's not going to listen. So, you know, and I'm not picking on the kids. I'm just making the point that I have so much peace right now because every day it's just me and God. Every day, Lord, what do you want me to do? Every day, Lord, what's the assignment for today? I hate to say this, but it feels good just to be with God and not have to worry about anything else. You know, will we eventually run out of money? 
I don't know. And I don't care. You know, will we eventually run out of food? I don't know. And really, I don't care. I don't want to see anybody starve. I would love for people to have, but hey, my confidence is in Christ. My peace is in Jesus. And I want, and people should have the same mindset. Don't think that any of these worldly things are going to, to sustain you. Only Jesus Christ will. And we got to get heavenly minded in your spare time. Read 2 Kings chapter 6. Remember when Elijah, Elisha was with his uh, servant and they were surrounded by the, the Syrian army. And what did they say? Master, we're through. What are we going to do? And what did Elijah say? In perfect peace, Elijah said, Lord, open this young man's eyes that he may see that there are more with us than there are with them. And what did he do? God revealed, and he saw chariots of heaven. He saw armies of heaven. He saw like, man, horses of fire and everything else just to show them, hey, we're not alone. God is with us. God will move when the time permits, but we just got to keep our trust in him. Stop being afraid of what we're hearing and what people are saying. And hey, if I build this bunker, will you help me out? You go and spend all your money on a bunker and nothing plays out like it's supposed to. And now you won't be able to eat. Let's hear from what God wants to hear, what he wants to say, and let's obey the Lord. That's what it's about, man. Don't let that mess come to you. Look at uh, John 14. In verse 16, John 14, guys, look at verse 16 and look at what it says. <coughs> and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. So this is where our comfort is in, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth, the one that is meant to protect us. When Jesus says he wouldn't leave us comfortless, this is who we're trusting in. But look what he said the world is. The world doesn't know him and the world cannot receive him. So where's our peace? In Jesus Christ. He says, for I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Yet a little while in the world seeth me no more, but ye see me, because I live, ye shall live also. At that day ye shall know that I am in the Father, and ye in me, and I in you. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, you see the obedience? He it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Judas saith unto him, not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that thou will manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world? Jesus answered and said unto him, if a man love me, he will keep my words and my father will love him and, will, and uh, we shall come unto him and make our abode with him. Now, we know that this is speaking of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but this is all about having the Spirit of God. First, he brings them to, if they obey the commandments of the Lord, you know Jesus narrowed them down to two. You shall love the Lord your God with your heart, mind, soul, and strength. 
and love your neighbor as yourself, right? But he says, if you keep his words, uh, my father will love him and we will come unto him and make our abode in him. Our peace, of course, is in Jesus Christ. If you haven't been baptized in the spirit, that does not mean that the Lord is not holding you by the hand, that he is not protecting you, that he will not provide for you. That just simply means we got more growing to do to get full of Christ, that's it. But if you are faithful and obedient and you're obeying God, God's going to look after you, okay? But look at this. Verse 24 says, he that loveth me uh, not, uh, he that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings. And the word which ye hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. These things have I spoken unto you, yet being present with you. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. So God is going to take care of us. We've just got to you know, be faithful, be obedient, and trust in him. Look at verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So I'm going to give you an idea of worldly peace. Worldly peace is, you know, let's just say I come home from work. I got, you know, a nice house, I got a nice car, I got a nice life, everything's going well. But then when I hear news about a collapsed economy, you see I'm up out of my chair freaking out. And then the next thing is, all right, well, I gotta find some other means of income that I can sustain. You see, but if the economy continuously collapses, then what peace is there in that? Every day you're looking at the news to see how things are going, so you know how to feel, that's pitiful, but that's worldly peace. Worldly peace is, let's go get a bunch of guns. Worldly peace is, let's go build a bunker. Worldly peace is, let's go try and bury ourselves real deep and get away from it all that we might be all right. Worldly peace is, let's just get the right man in office and then everything will be fine. This is worldly peace, and as you can see, it doesn't amount to a hill of beans. Jesus says, peace I give unto you, not the peace that the world gives. The world gives you momentary gratification as long as you do your part and they don't feel like getting rid of you just yet. That's worldly peace. But God's peace you can have in the midst of war, in the midst of an invasion, in the midst of a besieged city. If you got your peace in God, it doesn't matter what's happening around you. God will deliver you. That's the truth of the whole matter. So he says, don't let your heart be troubled and neither let it be afraid. Notice this. The Lord just gave me this while I'm sitting there talking. If I would be more quiet, he'd probably give me a lot more. But the thing is, is notice how Jesus told them in Acts chapter one to tarry in the city of Jerusalem. Anybody know what Jerusalem means? The city of peace, right? The city of peace. Now, mind you, you got the Pharisees and you've got the Romans looking for the disciples of Jesus Christ. 
None of them could go back to their lives, but he told them to tarry in the city of Jerusalem. He didn't say how many days, but he just said, tarry there and you're going to receive the promise. Don't let your outside circumstances keep you from receiving the promise, okay? He says to remain in the city of peace and what happened? The Holy Spirit fell on you. How can we have the spirit of God if we're busy looking around wondering what's gonna happen next? There's no peace there. So you put your trust in the one true God and you remain in the peace of Christ and you tarry until, we tarry until, we be endued with power from on high. Be still, hear the Lord's voice. When he tells you to pray, pray. When he tells you to fast, fast. When he tells you to minister, minister. But we've got to remain in the Lord's peace that we may hear what he has to say, that we might receive the promises of God. Notice that, peace be still, remain in the, um, the city of peace. Look at that. But look at verse 28, ye have heard how I said unto you, I go away and come again unto you. If ye loved me, ye would rejoice because I said I go unto the Father, for my Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it come to pass, that when it has come to pass, ye might believe. He says, hereafter I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world cometh and have nothing in me. So do you guys see where the real peace is? We, the devil had nothing in Jesus Christ. There was nothing he could have bribed him to receive. There was nothing he could have tempted him to receive. There was nothing that the devil had that Jesus wanted. And that was true peace. Jesus said, man, the ruler of this world comes. He's got nothing in me, nothing, nothing at all nothing that he can do. He says, but that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, even so do I. Arise, let us go hence. You see, Jesus had peace no matter what. Let's look at Mark 4. Mark 4, guys, and let's look at verse 35. You know, it's the second day in a row, guys, that we've been teaching, okay? And hailstorms have come while we were teaching. Hey, I wish that were the latter rain. I don't know what the Lord is doing, but that's the second day in a row we've been teaching and hailstorms have come. Maybe they're trying to interrupt this message, you know, trying to mess with the live streaming. You never know, but it's just really interesting. So look at Mark 4, guys. And look at verse 35. What does my brother Ron say? The propaganda machine uh, of media pumping and confusion continually. Amen, bro. That's the true definition of terrorism. Okay, Sister Teresa, hope all is well. So look at Mark 4, guys, and look at verse 35. And the same day uh, when the even was come, he saith unto them, let us pass over unto the other side. We know that this is Jesus. And when they had uh, sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. So if you look at this, 
this is what it's talking about here, that it says that, um, you know, that while they were there, you know, that the storm had a lot of wind and waves, they beat upon the ship, and now the ship is over flooded. So Jesus, look at this in verse 38, and he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow, and they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou, thou um, that we perish? Carest thou not that we perish? So Jesus is in the ship, in the bed, nice and comfy, sleeping, while the boat's overflowing, and you got heavy winds blowing while the ship is being tossed. And Jesus is in the back relaxing. Where was his peace? In the Father. But notice what the disciples said, Master, do you not even care if we perish? You back here sleeping, we may have, you know, water up to our necks. What are we to do? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto, and said unto the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. Man, this is what we got to get to. I realize when I get into Jesus, when I get into his word, when I'm quiet that I can hear his voice, when I get up from prayer, when I pray with other brothers and sisters, man, and I get into the word of God, man, it's almost like the Lord saying, peace be still, rebuking the winds that they come to a calm and everything is fine in my life. Why? Not because I'm meditating or doing all this other stuff, but my trust and faith are in Jesus Christ. Trust me, guys, you ain't got enough bullets in your gun. You don't have enough food in your cupboard, okay? You're not as intelligent as you think you are, all right? You've got to put your trust in the Lord. Because, you know, I try and tell a lot of people, a lot of people talking about fighting the establishment and got M16s and all this. Man, who you think is coming to your door? You think you can handle these guys in the physical? You really think you got enough ammo to do battle with the devil that owns everything, okay? We better get to a place of understanding we don't wrestle with flesh and blood because what am I expecting to do in this hour? Put on my full armor. And if the Lord makes a way for me to escape, escape and I'm running and they're shooting at me, they're gonna be hitting nothing but the armor of God. I'm looking to be invisible and walk through. Now, I know some people may say, oh, man, you crazy. No, I'm not. I believe that Jesus Christ the same today, yesterday, and forever. I'm trusting in supernatural, Holy Ghost, spiritual power to take place like it did in the days of Moses, like it did in the days of David, like it did in the days of Abraham, like it did in the days of Christ. This is where I'm putting my trust because I don't have enough in the physical to deal with the devil only Jesus Christ. So look at what he says. He said, peace be still and the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, what manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? That is Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. Put your trust in him. I don't care what the devil is telling you. Put your trust in him. Because a lot of people are giving people false faith, false confidence and all these things. The Lord told them in the Olivert Discourse, he says, in your patience, possess ye your souls. Put your trust 
in Jesus Christ. I'm not saying don't prepare, be a wise ant. Prepare, store up, do what you need to do. But the fact of the matter is, guys, unless we have Christ, none of those things will sustain us. Let's look at um, Romans chapter five. I'm almost done. It ain't gonna be as long as the other teachings were. Those other teachings, I got carried away. But let's look at Romans chapter five. And let's look at verse one. He says, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you see that? We are justified by faith that we have peace with our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because we're obedient. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope in the glory of God. And not only so, uh, not only so, but we glory in tribulations. You see that, guys? We've got to glory in tribulation, no matter what's going on. Man, this is a time for Christ. This is a time for us to say, Lord, let the world see what God you truly are. Let them see that you are the same, no matter what. He says through tribulations, knowing that tribulation does what? Work of patience and patience experience and experience hope. And the hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. You see that guys? Our hope is in Jesus Christ. All these things are for a reason. This is to mature you. This is that you might grow. We've got tribulation for what? Because it works patience. We've got patience for what? Because it'll work experience. We got experience for what? That we will have hope. And when we've got hope in Christ, we will not be ashamed of him. So we need to tell everybody about him. This is what it truly is to be in his peace. Man, let the Lord burn off the dross and mature us. Man, you want Jesus, Jesus is in the fire. Don't be afraid of conflict. Don't be afraid of tribulation. Don't be afraid of judgment that's gonna happen on the world. You're his chosen. You're one of his. So Lord, what are you willing to do? I think it was Sister Latoya that prayed today about going and um, what did she say? Wherever the Lord you tell us to go. I think it was Sister Latoya or Sister Julia. I'm not sure. But they said, wherever you want us to go, we may go. Man, this is a time to be still and to know that he is God, that we may receive instruction, that God may get the glory through us. Let's go to, um, let's go to James 1. James chapter 1. Let's believe on God even more. Don't be shaken. Don't be afraid. Trust in the living God. Hey, Sister Ebony, I think you are. <laughs> I'm like, I'm saying hi to anybody coming on here now. Um, look at James 1. Let's look at verse 1. It says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations, 
knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. You see this? You see this, guys? When you fall into diverse temptations, when you're being tried, when you're being tested, we've got to know that the trying of your faith is what gives us patience. What is Derek Hallett going out and believing today? I'm believing that the Jesus Christ that pulled me through so many different things is going to show up again. You see, every now and then, God's got to get us out of our comfort zone, okay, and shake things up a little that we may pray that much more, that we may truly desire him, that we may say, you know what, Lord, I know what it looks like, but one thing is for sure, I know you. And I know one way or another, I can't tell you how exactly, but I know one way or another, Lord, you're gonna show up. You're gonna do something because you're God, because you're faithful, because I believe in you. This is where your peace is. It's in Christ. I'm not upset, I'm just excited. But he says, but let patience have her perfect work that ye, be, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting or lacking nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given. But let him that ask in faith, let him that ask uh, in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven by the wind and tossed. So if we're gonna ask, we gotta believe that God is God. I don't care how many troops are coming over, as I said. I'm not concerned about this economy collapsing. Is God God? And this is what we've gotta ask ourselves. Is he God? Because if he's God, what have you and I got to worry about? This is what it is. So when we ask, ask in faith. Don't be shaken like, Lord, Um, I pray that you take me through it, I think. Or I mean, I hope, I mean, you know, am, am I talking to the right God? See, man, if you were in that place, just keep it to yourself. But he says, if we're gonna ask, ask in faith, you know, nothing wavering, guys. For let not that man think that he will receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. So we've got to get to the place of trusting the Lord. Look at verse 12. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. You see that? So let's trust in the Lord. We've got a crown of life waiting for us. You know, we've got God's glory to shine through us. And don't have any fear. fear you know, and we gotta understand this too, guys. Fear is a spirit. Let the Lord take it away that we may be right. So let's look at uh, let's look at uh, James chapter five, guys, and I'm gonna close with this. James chapter five, and I am done. And I'm looking to get in that hall of faith for believing God. It may be something, you know, small, as long as I make it in, I don't care. So Derek had faith that even though the internet was running out, he continued to preach no matter what until the time expired. Hey, if that happens, that's good enough for me. I want to make it into the kingdom of God. I'm not looking to walk in anybody else's foot shoes or footsteps except Christ. Put your faith and trust in him. 
I know with all the stuff I'm saying in here, I'm going to be in court one day. You know, did you say this? I most certainly did. You see, I'm not on here looking for accolades. I'm not on here looking for friends. I'm not on here looking for validity because I understand that what I say and how I stand for Christ, I'm going to get tried by this, man. I know this is coming. I'm not up here thinking this is the safest way to go is through YouTube. Sometimes you're better off out there preaching on the street so nobody knows what you're doing. Man, but here, everything is being recorded. <laughs> you know, Lord, forgive me. I'm not trying to be facetious or funny or whatever. It's just, you know, hey, man, our trust has got to be in Christ. Look at James chapter five. Let's look at verse one. He says, go to now, ye rich men. Weep and howl for your miseries that are come upon you. Your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver is cankered and the rust of them shall be a witness against you and shall eat your flesh as it were fire. Ye have heaped a treasure together for the last days. So as you can see, guys, we can't put our trust, okay? And, and the gold and the riches and all that. Man, that stuff is temporal, but Jesus Christ is eternal. So look at verse four, behold, the hire of the laborers who have reaped down your fields, which is of you kept back by fraud, crieth and the cries of them which have reaped are entered into the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth, the Lord of armies. So if you look at this, yeah, we've been defrauded. The devil is taking advantage of us. He's stolen from us, but we're here to find out these things are not really ours. We must put our trust in the Lord because God is gonna judge every single situation that you and I deal with righteously. He says, ye have lived in pleasure on the earth and have been wanting, I mean, and been wanting, uh, ye have nourished your hearts as in a day of slaughter. So you see, these people live in pleasure, but they're going to be in want. But he says, hey, their hearts are as a day of slaughter. Ye have condemned and killed the just, and he doth not resist you. Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth, and have long patience for it until, it, until he receive other early and the latter rain. So guys, let us be patient. Let the devil apply as much pressure as he wants because there's gonna come a point where we are going to receive the, the early, the former and the latter rain. Let the Lord mature us. Let, us take a, let him take us through because when he induces his power on his church, man, then we're gonna see it's gonna be payback time. God's gonna do what needs to be done. So let the devil push, let him breathe, let him roar and show his, you know, fang, you know, dirty fang-stained teeth. It doesn't even matter, okay? God has got us. He's going to take care of us. And the more pressure that the devil applies is when God is going to release his people to do what needs to be done. Man, we are the victors. We are not the losers. Verse eight says, be ye also patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest ye be condemned.
Behold, other judge standeth before the door. Take my brethren, the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord, for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. So notice what verse 10 says, that we should be looking at the prophets, looking at those in the Old Testament who did what? Suffered affliction and of patience. So you see, if we're gonna learn anything about what's coming, we gotta look at what's past. And hopefully that's what we understand about this teaching. History is gonna repeat itself. And just how God has used these people in those trying times and those desperate times, he's gonna do it again. Just put your trust in the Lord. Look at verse 11. Behold, we count them happy, which endure. We have heard of the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. But above all things, my brethren, swear not, swear not, neither by heaven, neither by the earth, neither by any other oath, but let your, let your yea be yea and your nay nay, lest ye fall into condemnation. You see, because the devil will try and get us guys to a place of compromise, but we got to stay fastened on the Lord because any place that there is no spirit of God, there is no peace. So we need to stay in the Lord. Let your yeas be yeas and your nays nays. But don't you try and come down the middle with compromise because nothing will give you more grief in your spirit and will take away your peace sooner than compromise. Compromise takes away your peace. Why? Because you know deep down it's wrong. And when you compromise, you've got to give up something usually you don't want to, to have something that you don't really want. Man, forget that. Yay, yay, and nay, nay, if you want to stay in the peace of the Lord. He says, is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. He didn't say if any of you was afflicted, go see a psychiatrist. He didn't say if any of you were afflicted, go and get a yoga class, go and do into other things. He says, if any of you are afflicted, he says, let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing songs. Is any sick among you? Go to the doctor and have him check you out. Does it say that on here? It says, is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. You know what's funny? All those faith healers out here, all those guys that claim God is doing it, a seed faith offering for laying hands on you, and usually one of their actors will jump up and say, I'm healed. You know, look at what God has done. Now, don't get me wrong. God can heal. God does heal. God is the same God. But a lot of these so-called faith healers are no longer joining up with their congregation because of the coronavirus. You see, I, I agree with the brethren that say that this whole thing that we're dealing with is going to separate the sheep from the tares. I mean, not the sheep, the wheat from the tares, the sheep from the goats. We must understand that if God's word says to anoint heads with oil, if any be sick among you, and let them call on the name of the Lord by the elders. Hey, that's what you're gonna believe in. Because if this economy collapses, guys, which it will, what doctor is gonna receive you with no pay? You can forget about that. We better get back to the peace that only comes from God and obeying his word and doing what he says. 
I'm not against going to the doctor, but I'm, I'm, I'm talking about making specific points. You see, God's word is timeless. It's whether or not we believe. And that's what this whole thing is about. So look at this. You know people are gonna get mad at me for that. Look at verse 15. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he hath committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So if you get in line with the Lord, the Lord will give you what you need. And see guys, this is why the Lord's been speaking into my spirit, authenticity. We've got to be authentic. We gotta stop pretending. If you know you're struggling with sin and you're lacking, man, then start asking for prayer. Start crying out to the Lord, start fasting, start doing what God says. But you see, as believers sometimes, and I hate to say this, but this is so true. We care so much about how we're seen before others. We care so much about who sounds the wisest and the strongest and the smartest, about who's walking in the real power. We care so much, guys, what people think. Instead of just coming to God in a sincere heart and saying, Lord, I need you. Lord, I thank you for the brethren and sisters. Lord, do what you need to do. It's so important, guys, that we get out of ourselves and truly come to God with a pure heart and let him work on us. Be truthful, man. Jesus says those that are not sick don't need a physician, but every single one of us knows that we do. Just give your heart to the Lord and talk to him like a real person because he is real. There is no greater peace that you're going to have is when you recognize, Lord, you are everything and I am nothing. If I put my stock in you, you're gonna do what needs to be done. That's really what it's about. We don't need to perform. We don't need to pretend. We don't need to try. We just need to die out to self to, to become alive to God and let him work in us. And I'll tell you what, ain't nobody got more peace than a dead man. Nobody at all. When you're dead to self and you're alive to Christ, that's real peace. The real peace that surpasses understanding is your physical death. I mean, you know, your death in the flesh, okay? And your life to Jesus Christ. Look at verse 17. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we all, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. What am I thinking about when the economy collapses? I'm looking to be in a wilderness like Jesus, taking loaves of bread and fishes and feeding a mass of 5,000. Y'all can call me crazy. I don't care. The bottom line is I believe God, and this is what it's got to come down to. That's where your real peace is in believing in him not in your ability. Look at this, verse 18. And he prayed again, then the heaven gave rain and the earth brought forth her fruit. Brethren, if any, if any of you do err from the truth and one, convert, and one convert him, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of, of his way 
shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. That's why it's so important, guys, that we get out there and we preach the gospel. Because you see, when the Lord said, peace be still, it was only because Jesus had faith in his father, like you and I ought to have faith in Jesus Christ. Your peace, your still time with him, it's all got to be about hearing God's voice, forsaking your life and his life, because you guys have never seen anywhere in this Bible that Jesus or his anointed freaked out and panicked. Moses was there at the brook waiting with the staff, waiting on the instruction of the Lord. The people panicked. You know, uh, David, while the people were blaming him, ready to stone him, was listening to the voice of the Lord, seeking God. You see, I mean, you look at Jesus on the ship, he trusted in the Father while, hey, Master, you don't care if we perish? Man, let us really understand what real peace is. That is to forsake a life for a life, that we may be full of Jesus Christ and let the Lord work. You know, we don't need to impress anybody. The only one that really matters in what we do is the Lord. So let us encourage one another. Let us strengthen one another. Let us continue to pray together because I believe as I'm fighting these demons in my sleep that are coming to me night after night, I know the devil, guys, is trying to get us off our, off our knees. Let us apply pressure, give it all to the Lord that we may be able to say in our rough and dark and crucial times, peace, be still. So I just wanna say with that, guys, I love you. You know, for those out there, if you know you're not saved and nobody knows this more than you, give your life to Jesus Christ today while there is time. Repent of your sins. Turn from your wicked ways. Believe that if you confess your sins, that our God is faithful and just to forgive us of those sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Give your heart to the Lord. Trust in him and believe that Jesus Christ is coming back for a, for a church without spot, blemish, or wrinkle. He died for you, he loves you, he wants you to come home, and all it takes is a repentant heart, changing from what you were, going back to him, and letting him finish the work that he began in you. So I just wanna say with that, guys, I love you. As we close, I wanna show people the organic gospel book by Pastor Gary C. Price and Sister Maisha Hunter. This proves that the gospel is organic. This book is 1395. You can't try to be a Christian. You've got to die out to self and let the organic life of Jesus Christ change you, mold you and sculpt you that you may have those peaceable fruit. What fruit? Love, joy, peace, long suffering, goodness, gentleness, faith, meekness and temperance, the Bible says for such, there is no law. This book is $13.95. You can get it at www.theorganicgospel.net. Okay, 127 pages. I believe uh, Pastor Price told me that Sister Naima has, uh, uh, not, not Naima, Sister Naomi has a study guide that she's been doing online. Okay, so, you know, people may want to check in with that and, you know, read it with her. She built a, a study guide for it. So you want to check it out. I'm not sure if Sister Naomi is on or not, but if anybody knows the information, uh, get it and post it that people may go and receive it and support what she's doing, that they may understand the organic gospel. 
All right. So the second book we have is And They Overcame by uh, Coach P, our own brother, Jeremiah Poja. Uh, this book is $7.99. You can get it at Lulu Books. And it says this book is comprised of 11 personal handwritten testimonies of how real people entered into salvation and how Jesus Christ became a reality in their lives. Each account is different and distinct because every person on earth is faced with a different set of circumstances and living situations. Even though all of these Christians are coming from different backgrounds, they all have one thing in common. Jesus Christ has begun to save their souls and deliver them from the shackles of sin and of the devil. So you see, this is so important, guys, that we have this because this is what it's all about. You know, my testimony is in here with other brothers and sisters. This is the second edition, Lulu Books, and it's $7.99. Uh, Sister Naomi just put her information up, okay? So she gave a place where you guys can email her, all right? So if you're in the description box, you guys can look at it and get the information there. So I just want to say, what's up, Sarah? Oh, okay. She might have put in a messenger, uh, possibly, but uh, yeah, it's uh, NaomiHenry at gmail.com. So you guys want to check that out and get into that. I think I'm going to check into it myself because I want to, um, you know, we got to support the brethren and sisters of the work that the Lord has given them. We thank Sister Naima for the, um, you know, for the platform that the Lord told her to put up. And I'll tell you what, prayer with brothers and sisters Man, it's a beautiful thing. It's a marvelous thing. I love to hear other brothers and sisters come together in real sincere prayer. It's been a blessing to me. So I just thank you guys for all of that. Uh, I think Sister Sarah is going to pray us out now because, man, the, the work I'm doing to my throat. And I think Sister Sarah prays better than me anyway. So that might be a gift of intercession that the Lord has given her. So I'm going to let the Lord use her and her gift and I'm going to shut my mouth and get out of the way. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord, because he gives us uh, certain gifts, and whatever gifts anyone has, you know, hey, let the Lord use. Thank you, Lord. Heavenly Father, Lord God, in Jesus' name, Lord, we come to you this evening, and I just, I just want to say thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord, just for all and everything that you've done. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your grace and for your love and for your mercy, Lord Jesus, and for your protection over our minds during this time, Lord Jesus. As I was listening to, to one minister earlier today, he said, gird up the loins of your mind. Gird up the loins of your mind. And, and what does that mean to us to gird up the loins of our mind, Lord Jesus? Because when the enemy comes, Lord God, and he deceives the multitude and he deceives their masses, when he blinds the eyes of our mind, it's not our physical eyes that he blinds, it's our spiritual eyes that he will blind, Lord Jesus. And so I'm so grateful, so totally grateful, Lord Jesus Christ, that you have given us eyes to see and ears to hear, Lord Jesus, that even during a time of chaos, even during a time when we don't know what's going to happen from one day to the next. We don't know what our financial situation is going to be one day to the next. We don't know if troops are going to come in. We just have no idea what's going to happen because the media is just, it's just there to bring total confusion. But we know that during this time, no matter what, no matter the chaos, 
we have a Jesus. We have our Lord Jesus Christ and Savior, who was the author and finisher of our faith, of our faith. He, you don't give us confusion. You give us the peace that passes all understanding. You give us true joy. It is in the eye of the midst of the storm, Lord Jesus Christ. It was on the ark with Noah. They had one window to look up. And that's the window that we have to have in our own lives, Lord Jesus Christ. We have to look up to you. No matter what's going on in our lives today, Lord Jesus Christ, may we look to you in everything that's going on. And that we have no fear because perfect love casteth out fear. And we have to know that that only perfect love is through you, Jesus. You are the only perfect love. And I pray, Lord God, today that we get filled with your Holy Spirit. I pray, Lord Jesus Christ, pour down the fire of the Holy Ghost upon us this day. Lord Jesus, pour still down the spines of your people, of your remnant. I believe that the true church of Jesus Christ is going to be aw awakened during this time, Lord God. I, I just believe that that's going to happen. And, and I believe that People that claim to know Jesus, we're going to find out who we truly are in these days. Was Jesus our, our, our Redeemer, our Savior, our Lord, our King of Kings, the Holy of Holies, or was Jesus just our religion? Because it says in your word that there will be another Jesus and another gospel and another spirit. And I believe that those two things are going to collide with one another in this day and in this hour, the true Jesus and the false Jesus. And we're going to believe in one or the other. So I'm praying, Lord Jesus Christ, that we stay strong and have a good courage in you. And I'm praying, Lord Jesus, it, whatever fears that we're battling with today, that we just give it over to you, Lord Jesus, that you can you can set us on fire. It's just like a forest fire, an unquenchable forest fire, that your people are going to be like that, that nothing, nothing can put it out. Nothing can trench it. It is so great. It is so consuming. It's going to go over the masses of people, Lord Jesus Christ, that when people see that Holy Ghost fire, they're going to either come to it and be consumed or they're going to want, run away from it. But Lord God, during this time that we are in, there are people looking for someone to save them. They are looking for a savior. And, and that's why in this time, Lord Jesus Christ, we have got to be those light bearers to go out into this lost world, Lord God. We have got to have the spirit of discernment to know when you're telling us to go and that we do not go out in our own might. We don't go out in our own strength, Lord Jesus Christ, during this time, but by your power, Lord God. And if you're calling us to go, then we go. We have no fear of what man says, but that we go out within your covering, Lord Jesus Christ, and not ourselves, Lord God, to do your will, to bring lost souls to you during this time, Lord Jesus. And I'm praying for all the brothers and sisters listening in tonight, Lord Jesus. I pray that you touch their lives. I pray that you keep them safe. I pray that whatever areas in life that they're still dealing with, Lord Jesus Christ, that during this time, they do whatever it takes to get rid of those things, Lord Jesus Christ, and to fill every hour, every hour of their day with you, Lord God. Convict their hearts, Lord Jesus Christ, as they give it up. Because whether we're in a collapsed economy, whether this thing gets worse, or whether we stand before you this night, Lord Jesus, because we are not promised another day on this earth. So I'm praying, Lord Jesus Christ, that whatever areas they're battling with, whether it's the spirit of rejection, whether it is the spirit of fear, whether it is the spirit of slothfulness, whether it is the, the spirit of gluttony, uh, over being overwhelmed, whatever spirit, spirits of Ahab, spirits of Jezebel, 
that they be rebuked and cast out in Jesus' holy and mighty name, that we stand tried and true as the warriors, as your army, Lord Jesus Christ, in these last days, having on the mind of Jesus Christ and your armor, Lord God, that we go out into this world and that we are able to, to face those arrows, Lord Jesus Christ, that the enemy's going to try and shoot at us so we can face them, but only through you. Only through Jesus Christ can we do this. We can't do this on our own, Lord Jesus Christ. So I thank you tonight for the brothers and sisters, Lord God. I thank you for the spiritual encouragement we've been able to give one another. I thank you for the prayers, the prayer life, Lord. I know it's helped my prayer life, uh, my own personal time with you. And I'm just so grateful, Lord God. So I pray in Jesus' holy and mighty name that you continue to strengthen us all to go out, to be your warriors, to be your soldiers, to do your will, and that lives will be saved. And that we get our own lives right with you, that our house is in order before we stand before you. Thank you, Lord God. In Jesus' holy and mighty name I pray. Amen. All right, guys. Um, that's going to uh, wrap it up for tonight. The next time that we're going to air is uh, it's going to be the, uh, what is it, Thursday night hangouts? We do that usually at 5 p.m. Pacific time and uh, 8 p.m. Eastern time on Thursday. I know tomorrow I'm going to be tuning into the Omega Ministries message, you know, to hear what the brethren and sisters have to say. So uh, Sister Tara said something. Uh, please pray because we are in the path of a tornado right now. Absolutely, Sister Tara. They've actually, um, it's been a hailstorm over here. So they're probably messing around with the weather and doing things. We we most certainly will, you know, pray in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray that you cover the house of our sister Tara and our brother Randy, Lord, that you put your hands in the way, Lord, that the enemy may not come in, that no hurt, harm, or danger may come to them. We ask for the blood of Jesus be posted on their door, Lord, that the death angel or that the enemy will have to pass over. So we just pray, Lord, that you keep them, that you that you guide them, Lord, that you watch over them, that they may be okay with you. We pray, Lord, that all these things be done for your glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, Elijah, um, Brother Cord, uh, Brother Frederick, uh, Sister Alicia, uh, Sister Ebony, Sister Naomi, Sister Tatiana, Sister Etta, Brother uh, Derek L. And uh, let's see, uh, I have to keep going. Uh, brother uh, Derek G, Derek Grant, hope all is well. Um, let's see, uh, Brother Ron and Sister Teresa. I know Sister, uh, Brother Mark, Sister Tanisha. Uh, Sister Naomi, I mean, I said Sister Naomi, Sister Naima, um, I'm, I'm, thanks for being on, Sister Melissa, uh, let's see, Brother Stanford, Brother Daryl, you know, thank you for being on, Sister LaToya, we're still praying for you and your situation as well, um, let's see who else was on, it wasn't Sister uh, Coach P. Yeah. Sister Melanie was on tonight too, right? Uh -huh. I believe she was. Uh, yeah, Sister Melanie, Sister Julia. Uh, man, it's really thunderstorming out there. We don't get thunderstorms. Hey, Brother Randy, 
and my sister Dawn. I think that was thunder, but all right, guys. Uh, yeah, I'm back at the top. It looks like that's everybody, Sister Tatiana. I just want to say I love you guys. Brother Jake, hang in there. Don't forsake your prayer closets, and we'll see you on Thursday night, 5 p.m. Pacific time, uh, 8 p.m. Eastern time. Subscribe to the channel if it's been a blessing. If not, I love you all anyway. Have a good night. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.